This is the Drive-In Podcast, episode 65, take one. Bada big, bada boom. Welcome to the 65th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have the Express Checkup with yours truly, Dr. O. We have our review of Ridley Scott's latest film, House of Gucci. And then we have the top billing of performances from the cast of House of Gucci. We're workshopping the name. You'll see what we mean when the segment comes up. So grab your popcorn, use the bathroom now, and enjoy. The 65th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Episode 65 has arrived. This is Dr. Rowe on the horn. I am joined by the one and only Ricky Flix. The one and only. Ricky Flix, I can officially say without hesitation, happy holidays. Thanksgiving has passed. We are on to Christmas season. We are two days away from December. Honestly, my favorite time of the year. Ricky Flix, how was your holiday? How was your holidays past week? Well, you, well, my holiday was great. Thank you for asking, Dr. O. So you bring up the holidays. There's two things I wanted to talk about before this checkup here. Maybe you had something on the checkup, actually, that one of the topics, so I might just refrain from that. But the other topic was holiday movies. When is the appropriate date to start watching Christmas movies? I have my date in particular in mind, but when would you say is the appropriate time to start watching Christmas movies. Friday after Thanksgiving. You're a Friday guy. You're Friday after Friday. Thanksgiving. So traditionally, our family, we go to our cousin's house. We look at the latest movies that have come out. What's streaming? What just released mm-hmm. on streaming? Mm-hmm. Like I, we, we checked out Get Out. I mean, that's how I get back, not Get Out. Get Back, the latest Beatles documentary for Peter Jackson. We found it a little too slow like uh, for the group's taste. Then we checked out. Definitely, <laughs> we checked out a documentary instead. We watched The Alpinist. Uh, check out the Doc Talk that's coming out. Arguably better than Free Solo. Better Arguably than Free better Solo. Better than Free Solo. There I said oh, it. Ricky Flix did say it. You're I gonna have it. to hear my thoughts from the blog. But I think the Friday after, I think of like CBS showing Rudolph like on Friday. That's which is like traditionally what I think of, right? Sometimes they show it on the night of Thanksgiving. I'm more of do it the right day after. Kick us off into. Christmas season. We're hanging up the decorations over the weekend. We're getting buzzing. What is your date? I'm going other comment below. It is December 1st. It is December 1st. You hold out until December 1st to watch your Christmas movies because you get the ABC or now free forms 25 or 24 days until Christmas countdown. Day after Thanksgiving, I'm fine with you playing Christmas music while you put up your Christmas decorations. Yes, I also believe in you don't put up your Christmas decorations until Thanksgiving is over because you have to give Thanksgiving its due. Thanksgiving is not just a top five, but dare I say a top three, arguably top two holiday of the year. So you have to give it its due. And for you to put up Christmas trees or put up Christmas lights, maybe Christmas lights because they look nice. I wouldn't do it. (laughs) But if you did it, okay. But to go all out and start with the Reeves and put, I don't know, what other Christmas decorations, like artificial Santa Clauses around the house. I don't know. Trees. I'm not about it, which brings me back to 
you start doing it on that Friday. What do you like to do while you put up holiday holiday decorations? You listen to Christmas music. So I'm all in on that. You won't put on like the Grinch or some claymation movie or stop motion picture from the seventies or something while you're doing decorations. You're in the buffer. It's Christmas spirit though. It's Christmas spirit. You're doing, you have to get in the Christmas spirit. You're putting up all these decorations. In my opinion, Thanksgiving has its time where it's, the Friday before Thanksgiving, you have the weekend. Your friends start coming home from your hometown. Mm-hmm. You you know you're not doing jack during work that week. And then you Allegedly. finally get to Thanksgiving, right? So you already have that time period where you enjoy it, in my opinion. And that includes, like, your work where it's like, okay, we can lay back a little bit. You have a whole – you get this whole period. I want to extend Christmas season as long as possible, bro. Okay. But I guess my real question is, would you dare throw on a Christmas movie before Thanksgiving? No, 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 no. Not before. Okay. Not before. Can't do that, that. Not even on. There has been there have been some channels. There have been some cable channels that have been throwing on Christmas mo- movies or did put, put on Christmas movies before Thanksgiving. And it grinded my gears. It grinded my gears, Dr. O. You know what really was a grinds Ricky Flitch's gears? Christmas movies before Thanksgiving. I agree, I agree with that take. I also wanted to talk about, we did some Black Friday shopping together, Ricky Flex. It's kind of our uh, family tradition where we go to the mall afterwards. In uh, person. The day after. Um, I knew where I wanted to go. We go to the Danbury Mall, shout out in, in CT. It's a great mall. Great mall. It's one of my favorite, if not like, the course. best in Connecticut. But I always go to the FYE store. FYE. FYE. They sucker me into paying for, or not paying for, but like signing up for this card. I'm going to forget to cancel. Um, but I wanted to get, I have a record player in my house. I have no records. So I wanted to set out on a quest to find some great movie soundtracks. And there's only one I really wanted. First of all, non-soundtrack. I wanted Fleetwood Mac Rumors just because it's the best album of all time. But I also wanted. Interesting. The Guardians of the Galaxy Deluxe Vinyl Edition. Okay. I wanted this so bad. It's a top th- top five soundtrack of all time, in my opinion. But I thought it was going to be done after that. 200, a little bit over, a little over $200 later. I also was persuaded by Ricky Flicks to get Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Look at this cover, Ricky Flicks. When we get the studio going, when we, when we record in the same room, this will be front and center. And guess what? I didn't stop there. Oh, no. I went with Bohemian Rhapsody, right? That's three of the top, three of the top soundtracks of the 21st century. Do we agree or disagree there, Ricky Flex? We agree. We agree. So, like, I mean, you could say all you want about Bohemian Rhapsody and its, its, its fault as a movie. What we can't deny is the music of Queen. And what we can't deny about Quentin Tarantino movies, right, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is how banging the soundtracks are. You can, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood might be my favorite soundtrack in Tarantino history. So out of this three I just showed you, Ricky Flicks, out of the three I just showed you, which one would you want to have most? This is teasing a potential draft in the future, but okay. Guardians and a landslide. I do love the other two. I love Queen's music, but every time I listen to that album, it's like, oh, Robbie Malek won an Oscar when he didn't even sing the songs. Okay. Taron Egerton, the same year, did Rocket Man. He sang all the songs. Moving on. Once Upon a Time. Great great movie. Top 10 for me. Arguably top five movie of the decade. The music is hardcore. Is a big reason why. But I think Guardians changed the games and comic book lore. And also, the songs that are in it 
they're all absolute bangers or forgotten bangers. Heaters. Like heaters. And then you include in the deluxe version, Guardians 2, which is arguably a better soundtrack. Unbelievable follow-up and sequel to the original. Original is usually better than the sequel. Not in this case in the soundtrack. Interesting. Because like I, I love like in terms of song wise, I agree with you. I, I like the, the vibe Guardians of the Galaxy set. We talked about how it's a change of pace from any other superhero movie you probably have ever seen in your life. But the look of this Once Upon a Time in Hollywood album is unreal. You it can't go phenomenal. beyond. You can't not just by the music, I guess, but the, the look of it. Also, in this record, they have like sounds, radio from the time period, from the late 60s. All right. Introducing Simon Garfunkel, introducing... Most bravos and whoever's showing up on this soundtrack, right? It just gives you the vibe of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I feel like I'm Margot Robbie flipping my hands in the air, dancing to uh, what's it called? Whatever the Rangers. She makes fun of Emil Hirsch for listening to him. It's a uh, what is it? Paul Revere and the Rangers. Remember that? Um, Great scene. So for those who listen to the pod, you want to send me a record to put on my record player and I'll show it off on the YouTube. Right. And I'll thank you personally on the, the uh, podcast. Feel free to do so. If you want to send me preferably Tarantino soundtracks, if not Tarantino, maybe some Paul Thomas Anderson boogie night soundtrack. Th- that'd be great. Um, Ricky flex, before we go on to the checkup, I wanted to introduce a little bit of a different segment today. So, cause like we feel like the segments are getting a little stale where it's like, okay, sometimes we're doing a double review. We're doing the checkup every time. Cause like, we got to do the checkup. It's such juicy stuff to talk about, but I wanted to do something called quote of the week. Now, I'm going to put two quotes against one another. We're going to talk about both slightly, but I want you to say what was the quote of the week. All right. So we got two quotes this week from actors that were in the house of Gucci. One being Paolo Gucci himself, Jared Leto. The other one being Maurizio Gucci, Adam Driver. So let's start off with the driver quote. Okay. I want you to tell me what's the quote of the week. So Adam Driver talks about in a recent interview on resurrecting the character of Kylo Ren. He said, quote, when he's asked, no, I'm not totally against it. For me, it's a filmmaker's medium. So my only thing is working with great filmmakers. Whatever the size, it's never been interesting to me to an extent. There's interesting things about working on both. I always just follow people I'd be interested in working with and whether I'd be right for the part. Things like that. No, definitely not averse to returning to Kylo Ren. End quote. Now, let's go on to Jared Leto and his quote in House of, uh, uh, on his press tour for House of Gucci. He said, in terms of his performance and preparation, quote, I was snorting lines of, of arrabbiata sauce by the middle of this movie. I had olive oil for blood. This was a deep dive I did. If you took a biopsy of my skin, it would come back as Parmesan cheese, end quote. Oh, man. Ricky Flex, battle the quotes. What's the quote of the episode? Well, Jared Leto's just being Jared Leto. It's got to be that. Got to be. be that. It's Jared Leto just being Jared Leto. Like that, the weirdo he is, I love him, but God dang it, he's so God dang weird. I love it. And then, but it's so spot on with this character. We're going to get to the review of House of Gucci. Yes. And like, I'm not surprised he actually did these things. Yeah. Right. When he's known for his, his, his crazy onset behavior, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he is just guzzling down Parmesan cheese, injecting himself with our Arabiata sauce. This guy's a nutcase. 
But I, I wanted to pit it against the Adam Driver one, first of all, because they're in the same movie. Mm-hmm. But also the juiciness of Adam Driver saying he is not on the same uh, wavelength as a Ridley Scott or a Martin Scorsese, right? He's not too good for a Star Wars or fantasy epic that's going to please fans. As long as a good director is attached, he's willing to do these blockbuster movies. And that has me happy. And that's what kind of separates him from his contemporaries, like a Leonardo DiCaprio and a Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper, yeah, he does the voice for Guardians of the Galaxy. That's just like an easy role for him, right? Easy paycheck. I love that about Adam Driver. I love that he's like, okay, yeah, you could say what you want about Kylo Ren. You can say what you want about the sequel trilogy. If I get to return to this part and it's a good director, that he knows how talented he is, he can just keep on improving in the part. And I thought he was the best part of the sequel trilogy anyway. Okay, a few things on that. One, yes, he was the best part, but never give me Kylo Ren again because we don't want anything to do with the sequel trilogy in my eyes, or I think Star Wars fans can agree with that. And I think that their Star Wars franchise, they definitely cater to fans if you saw Rise of Skywalker. So I think they'll listen to the fans and not do anything related to the sequel trilogy, except like spinoff shows or whatnot. So no Kylo Ren for me. Two, do love the box blockbuster quote saying that he would do blockbusters as long as with great directors and filmmakers. And you're seeing that, like we talk about MCU, just drawing these great actors uh, like a Christian Bale or Ethan Hawke or Oscar Isaac doing all these projects, right? So, boom, you love to see that from Adam Driver, one of the best up and coming or one of the best actors right now in Hollywood. He's arrived. But three, and this might be a little spin zone. So you know how in sports, we do a lot of sports analogies. Yes, I know. Like, say, LeBron James, when he's on Cleveland, you always say, like, his supporting cast. Can he win without a supporting cast? Or does he have to rely on, like, a Scottie Pippen or something like that? Well, filmmaking and actors, they, like, if they're, can an actor carry a movie with a bad filmmaker? Is it even possible? I think that's a great question because he just said there, like, once you achieve a certain status in acting, you never work with a bad filmmaker ever again, as long as you pick and choose your projects wisely. But I think for the most part, you need a good filmmaker to make a good movie. An actor can't carry a movie on its own. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why like you have like the people that are top tier are top tier. Um, it's interesting. Cause like, you know, like you brought up Christian Bale. I think Christian Bale is like the best comparison. Like he's done Batman. And that was when his career was starting to take off. You could say it was kind of bold to be Batman, but who's going to turn down Batman? You know what I mean? At the same time, mm-hmm. no one's going to turn down Batman. But you have him returning to superhero movies in the MCU as a villain where you're probably, he's probably going to be unrecognizable in Thor Love and Thunder, right? So, like, it's an, in opposition to, like, a Leo who just has swore off, like, any type of blockbuster movie, it appears. And he is more selective with his choices. So he's not as much in it for the paycheck. I don't think Bale's in it as much for the paycheck, but he's willing to have fun with the role and he's going to unite with Taika Waititi, one of the hottest in the business, right? Mm, so that's not, that's not surprising. And he's made arguably the best movie in the history of the MCU with Thor Ragnarok, hot take. But so I think we're taking a vote now. Are we both going Jared Leto for House of Gucci? Easily. Okay, that's the quote of the episode. With that being said, Ricky Flex, let's move on to the checkup. What do you say? Hit it. Let's check the audiences up. Dolph Lundgren says, quote, I think there's some talk about doing a whole spinoff on Ivan Drago with MGM, end quote. Lundgren last showed up as Drago in Stephen Capel Jr.'s Creed 2 alongside Sylvester Stallone. Next, 
A new Magic Mike film titled Magic Mike's Last Dance is in the works at HBO Max with Steven Soderbergh set to direct and Channing Tatum set to reprise his role. Time for Tatum to get back on the set. Next up, Amy Pascal teases that Sony will have, quote, something to show on Into the Spider-Verse 2 very soon. End quote. About damn time. Next up, Amy Pascal also announces that they are getting ready to make the next Spider-Man movie starring Tom Holland and have plans to make it a new trilogy. Pascal said, quote, this is not the last movie that we are going to make with Marvel. This is not the last Spider-Man movie. We were getting ready to make the next Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland and Marvel. It just isn't part of dot, dot, dot. We're thinking of this as three films, and now we're going to go on to the next three. This is not the last of our MCU movies, end quote. Could have been a quote of the episode. Speaking of Spider-Man No Way Home, various movie ticket sites crashed with fans trying to get tickets for Spider-Man No Way Home over this past weekend. Next, Stephen Sondheim, lyricist of West Side Story, composer of Into the Woods and Sweeney Todd, has died at the age of 91. R.I.P. legend. Next, in a shocking headline, Tom Burke replaces Yahya Abdul-Mateen II in Mad Max picture Furiosa due to scheduling conflict. Come on now, we want Yahya. Next, Adam McKay says the split between him and Will Ferrell was caused by casting John C. Riley over Ferrell in his upcoming HBO Lakers series drama he adds that he has written emails to will ferrell since but has never heard back for the sake of my viewing experience work it out boys next the gucci family claims ridley scott and the producers of house of gucci did not bother to consult the heirs before portraying their family as quote thugs ignorant and insensitive to the world around them families also hinted at possible legal action yikes ridley Lastly, Red Notice has surpassed Bird Box as the most watched movie in Netflix history. Dwayne Johnson touted the, touted the success of Red Notice over social media this past weekend. That's going to do it for the checkup this week. Ricky Flex, a lot of stories flooding in tonight. Where do you want to start? Man, I, I honestly don't know. There's a lot of juicy stories here. I guess one that I'm just, I think the most shocking headline would be Flutter, the Tom man. Burke. Oh, no, you, I, was, I thought you were going to say Tom Holland. Oh, wow. Let, I think let's, that's, go, no, we, let's go Furioso. Go ahead. I think that's the most shocking news here. we all been hyping up this Furioso movie like, ever since it was announced. We've been hyping this up. One of the hottest names in Hollywood is the star, Anya Taylor-Joy. Like, this is massive. And Yaya, one of the biggest up-and-coming actors, one of the best actors we have in Hollywood right now, just backing out for... Uh, scheduling conflict flicks i honestly don't know what it could be because aquaman 2 is going to be done by then obviously ambulance with michael bay and jake joan hall is done as in filming and same with matrix so the other only other movie is emergency contact and i have no idea what that movie is but it's in pre-production so it's probably going to be finished filming very very soon so i don't know what he's doing maybe his own spin-off uh movie from aquaman i don't know like but how could it be more important than this? It better be because this is a big thing to have scheduling conflicts for. Yeah. I was looking forward to seeing Yaya alongside not only Anya Taylor joy, but Chris Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth is mm. going to be in this movie. George Miller directed, you know, it's his world that he's created. You know, he's going to conjure up something amazing and spectacular for cinemas. Uh, it, I'm going to be a uh, glass half full rather than empty here. It makes me excited for what Yaya actually has planned instead because he's obviously passing up this amazing project for another. Um, 
I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be this guy that just throws out a bunch of rumors here. But uh, what have I always said on this podcast, Ricky Flex? Superman. Superman. We know Todd Nahisi Coates has been writing the script for a Black Superman. I've always said, yeah, yeah, would be perfect for a Black Superman. Fingers crossed. This is that role. The likelihood very slim, but we dare to dream. But yeah, so like, I, and what, did the, what this movie supposed to come out? What 2023? Furiosa. 24. Oh my god. No. Isn't it supposed to be 24? Double check. Uh it's been pushed back. May twenty fourth, twenty twenty-four release date. I mean, there's there's a chance this Tom Burke guy gets recast. And Tom Burke. There's a chance this movie just doesn't happen in general. Who is Tom Burke? Tom Burke. He played Orson Welles as Mank. Oh, dude, I liked him in Mank though. Yeah, he's a good Orson Welles. Um, but yeah, like he was in the souvenir, which I've never seen, but like I think that was like a big movie. I uh what's her name emma stone or uh no sorry what's her name jeff lawrence no i'm guessing uh, i have no idea i never heard of that movie i forget but it's like a it was a bit it was like a critically acclaimed but no one saw it movie and then uh he was in uh, only god forgives which i have not personally seen but i've heard of um that's with ryan gosling but um yeah like just what a letdown of a recasting even tilda though like, swinton tilda swinton souvenir oh yeah yeah yeah. um well but like just having tom burke replacing yeah yeah it's just such a letdown so he better come with some heat here he better come locked and loaded to go next to anya taylor joy and chris hemsworth i'd be very concerning if you had a no name or someone that was relatively um unknown to replace someone with the charisma and like the a-list status of a yeah yeah so like i get that but I mean, George Miller is amazing with these types of movies. You already have enough star power with Anya Taylor-Joy and Chris Hemsworth, honestly. Yaya was just like the cherry on top. When you think about the past, Mad Max movie, who was carried by Charlize Theron with a strong female lead. And then, obviously, you had Tom Hardy, who really didn't say much and is one of the best actors that doesn't really have to say anything. He's a great uh, body, uh, like a a body actor. Physical actor. Physical actor. Sorry, yeah, body actor sounds weird. So, Ricky Flex, (laughs) let's talk about Spider-Man. Let's okay. talk about Spider-Man. I'm sorry. Like we, I thought you were, this is where we're going to lead off. Tom Holland was initially like kind of skeptical that he was going to show up. At least he was like portraying this through his interviews and his press for Spider-Man No Way Home that he would continue to play Spider-Man. He said, maybe he wants to do something else. He doesn't want to play Spider-Man past his thirties, uh, right? He, he doesn't want that past his twenties. I should say. Yet We hear pay Amy Pascal saying, yep, we're they're getting the trilogy going. Right with Tom Holland to be a different vibe. They want to still put it in the MCU, still make projects with the MCU. Looks like Tom Holland isn't going anywhere. What are your thoughts on this news? Are you shocked at all? Not shocked at all. Zero percent shocked. I thought this was pretty obvious for one reason. It's you can't have a spider like if you're going to be Spider Man, you can't just be like a I don't know Iron Man's like sidekick. Like Spider Man, Spider Man. Like he's got to have his own trilogy. Not like not like so like clung on to infinity war end game iron man he's got to have his own spider-man arguably the biggest comic character of all time can't do that the tom holland left after one trilogy where just he's like in the whims like getting mysterios fooling him at the end like no we're not doing that we're doing this new trilogy with he is the helm he is going to be like he's not an avenger but he like if you want to say he's an avenger he's an avenger He's the most prized Avenger they have, most prized Marvel project or property they have. He's got to go out and shine and be the head of the MCU. And this is what he's going to do. 
and he deserves it we're doing this and then after that then he's done then you got me he's done but this one more trilogy put it in the bank <laughs> only one more trilogy only three more movies that'd be total of six as the lead spider-man yes he's He's had Robert Downey Jr. in a movie. He, we presumably like think he's going to be appearing alongside Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield here. But if he does three more, that's six as Spider-Man plus appearances in Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame. Right? That's nine movies, dude. What is how many has Robert Downey uh, done? How many has Robert Downey done in the MCU? Would that be a record? Nine movies. Well, so Downey's done three Iron Man, Avengers. Avengers, Avengers, Avengers. So, so let's do this. He's math. done seven. Seven plus No Way Home. Uh, sorry, uh, Homecoming. Eight. Civil War. Nine. Nine. Am I missing any? The cameo and Hulk doesn't count. Uh, that's nine. He would tie the record. I think that's it. That's crazy. That's crazy. But he is like not old. He's so young right now. He, you, are you telling me he's going to have nine MCU projects under his belt? By the time he's 30, and then he still has to square off with Venom. That's a 10th appearance, potentially, unless he's going to be – or Venom MCU. goes yeah. to, like, Spider-Man's movie. I, I doubt Tom Holland's just going to be have a prominent role in a movie titled Venom, right? I don't think that's going to happen. But it just makes you think, There is he going to get fatigued here? Has he signed off on this? Was this a negotiation tactic he was saying where he doesn't want to play past his, like, past his 20s? You know, it just makes you think. And I think anyone plays the same role for nine movies, you could get sick of it, right? He's going to be rich as can be, but it doesn't Fine. sound like he's let's, concerned about let's that. Let's do some more chaos walking, Uncharted's, and Cherries. Let's do a few more of those. Well, Cherry's huh? different. Cherry was different from the last two, the, the first two that you mentioned there. Uncharted, it's a, it's a blockbuster. That's, like the, it's a, that's a money grab. It's a cash grab. Cherry was not a cash grab. It came out on a streaming, streaming service with the Russo brothers trying to move past the MCU. Right, and that was a, supposed to be a potential, was almost Oscar Beatty type of movie. I did draft it in, the, in that top billing, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I would like to see him do something different. I don't know if I want to see him do three whole movies. Maybe he just latches on to like, like, uh, like Iron Man does, where you don't have his last appearance in Iron Man three in 2013, and then he just goes on to different projects. Like that almost is more appropriate to me. That's a lot of movies. I'm very down for three more. I just want that on the record. I want. I am very I, down. He needs to be Spider Man. I want to see the movies mature a little bit, though. They got to mature a little bit. Well, if they're doing three more, theater. he's going to be going through college, and we're. Going- I don't know. They've been taking forever with him in high school. <laughs> I do agree that they they should be maturing. I think they already should have been maturing, but obviously we're not seeing that. But you got to get Spider get Spider Man his deal. You have to. And so I think that's about- where they should go here. And Miles Morales is going to be introduced at some point. That's why I also Probably was questioning only nine. He could be in a 10th with a Miles Morales project oh or outside God. the MCU Miles Morales or something like that. Don't be surprised. Next, Ricky Flex. Uh, I love talking Spider-Man. I know we, we, like, I, we, we can do it all day, but let's keep moving. We got to talk about Will Ferrell ver, uh, beef with Adam McKay. What the hell? This came out of nowhere. I didn't know they were beefing. This is the only like Hollywood drama I actually care about. These are two of the most iconic filmmaker star and star combo ever. We're talking Step Brothers. We're talking Anchorman. We're talking Talladega Nights. And they can't get over a, a dramatic Lakers series. It's not even right up their style. What's going on? And John C. Riley's in the middle. He's the Angelina Jolie to the Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston. 
What's going on? That's what it seems like, Doc. That's what it seems like. John C. Riley is the one breaking this up. I think John Will Ferrell's C. Riley, being petty. He's got to be a mediator in the situation, or it just seems like he's taking he's taking McKay's side. Right? He wants the juicy role. I think I believe I believe John C. Riley is playing Jerry Buss. He is playing Jerry Buss, um, and it's going to be one of the bigger names in that series, as Adrian in uh, Brody as Pat Riley times. too. But if we're, if we want to get real here for a second. Will Ferrell's being so petty right here. A Lakers yeah, side project on HBO. Like, come on. Like, hey, let's 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 back it up for a second as well. They also produce the same television show that's arguably the best television show on TV with succession. They both are producers for that. Uh, Adam McKay is more of an executive producer, but they de- definitely collaborate. So it's not like they're not going to see each other. So don't put it past that this is going to be fixed sooner than later as succession prepares for season four. Don't put it past that. So I have hope, but it's just sad to see that such a fun comedic trio, dare I say trio, has now fallen on the wayside. It's interesting that Will Ferrell has not done much in the past few years. Uh, his career has kind of gone by the wayside, to be honest. And maybe the, he looked at this as an opportunity to collaborate once again with Adam McKay and he passes him up for John C. Riley, which is interesting. Cause like, we know he's like, Will Ferrell's been on a skid. There's no denying it. Well, he, did Euro, he did Eurovision, which a lot of people, it was very divisive among a lot of people. People like, yes, a couple songs from it, but Will Ferrell's not yet back. He's not yet back. He's not, he's not close to being back. And yeah, I mean, he's going to be in the Paul Rudd uh, app. I think, I believe it's an Apple, Apple TV, TV series. I don't, know if that's i don't get the greatest vibes from that i like that he's collaborating with him but we've seen a lot of will ferrell on social media lately and late night shows like it seems like he's with he what he showed up on, with paul rudd on jimmy fallon he showed up mm-hmm. in place of ryan reynolds for a certain appearance that he had first press tour for red notice it's just interesting to see like this news coming out as we see more will ferrell as of late even though he's not doing any projects you know what i mean it just seems weird the timing yeah, it does seem weird. And it's especially weird because Will Ferrell's starring in a movie called The 100-Year-Old Man Who Climbed Out of the Window and Disappeared. Awesome. And one of the producers is Adam McKay. And that is literally going to be in pre-production very soon. So it's just kind of Maybe odd. we'll get stories of a fight, a physical fight. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think this will get resolved. I just think that, especially now that Adam and Kay made it public, I think that's bad. But then again, it's like maybe Will Ferrell in hindsight will say, okay, now it's public. Now I really got to fix this. Especially because I have a project with this man coming up soon. And we are we already do work together in, in production and in, in producing such as Succession, which is highly successful. So I think this isn't going to be the end of the world road. This is just a big, big, major speed bump in it. Did Adam McKay direct the other guys? Uh, I believe so. So it just made me think of yes, Mark Wahlberg's quote where he says, this is what Adam McKay, I'm going to do like a verbal meme here. I'm a peacock, Will. You got to let me fly. You can't just expect me to just make everything for you. Adam McKay has gone on to become one of the premier filmmakers of his generation. He's moved beyond like these Will Ferrell comedies. He's going on to make the big short. He's made two Oscar-nominated pictures for Best Picture with Vice. 
And now he's in Don't Look Up. And he has Don't Look Up with Leonardo DiCaprio. And if I were Will Ferrell, I'd be more pissed that I wasn't included in Don't Look Up in any fashion. Everyone is in that movie. Everybody. Yeah, maybe he's mad. He didn't, like, didn't include his, his, his OG. He's shown his acting chops in the past. I, I'm a bit, I say it probably every five episodes, Stranger Than Fiction, un, a great movie in the 2000s. One of the best movies in the 2000s, in my opinion. And Will Ferrell shows out in that movie and shows his acting chops with the best of them. So maybe he's mad about that. I completely, I could, can definitely see that. And then he picks his, his best bud partner in crime to do a serious series instead of him. I think that's actually like, I, I do believe and that. John C. Riley looks nothing like Jerry boss. He looks like Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell does. He's blonde hair at least. <laughs> At least, and, but not, well, he's tall. Jerry Buss was as tall. I don't think. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Jerry Buss was as tall. Yeah, but short, I mean, like, don't look up. You have like inexperienced actors like Ariana Grande and Kid, Kid Cudi, like making appearances, and you can't fit in Will Ferrell. Somewhere. You have Matthew Perry coming back. Yeah, you have Matthew Perry in it. Like, give, they should have given like the Tyler Perry role at the desk. I love Tyler Perry. I, oh, I like him that would have been good. Anchorman, like, Anchorman, him. get Anchorman on the. Oh my on god, the a crossover for the ages. <laughs> don't look up. And Lee, I just want to see Leo and Will Ferrell in a scene together. <laughs> that, I just need to that, see that. I don't even know how that would turn out. That would be I can't insane. That, I can't believe it just came out of my mouth. I just felt like I just like I just, I just exploded. Like I just felt like I just mic <laughs> drop. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, moving on here. What else do we want to talk about? Ricky Flicks, uh, T- Channing Tatum. Like he sucks. Like <laughs> like hey, he got his thing. Hey hey. I take it back. I take it back. I'm saying we like, were just talking about how we should make a comeback, and this is the start. Yes, of it. but but we then we saw the trailer for that dog movie, and we're like, okay, the the, the comeback over. has been put on hold. The comeback <laughs> oh. has put on hold, like indefinitely. I remember seeing Ghostbusters, and this uh, trailer came on, and our dad, uh, Olek, I literally he verbally said it like way too loud. He was like, "Well, that movie's gonna suck." Like like as loud like so the, the entire theater could hear him. I'll, I'll save him the fact that it was a very small theater, but he was, he said what everybody else was thinking. Like, there's no way that movie's going to be good. Right. It has like Clifford vibes to it, except the dog is 10 times smaller. Um, but it just seems like he's just going back to what worked before. And he needs to get back into like the center of pop culture where he used to be. And he wants to feel a little bit more relevant. So he's completing this trilogy that really no one asked for. I can't believe Steven Soderbergh is actually going through with it. It's, it's very odd, but if you look through, like I'm looking through Shane Tatum's IMDb, like I forgot, like he actually is, is in the middle of a few projects here. And like one of them in post-production is him. Give me hope. Brad Pitt, Sandra Bullock, Daniel Radcliffe in a movie. And like, it's already Daniel been- Radcliffe. Yeah. So like, he's going to be a movie with all of them. Like, I think like, and he's in another movie that I don't even want to mention, but Zoe Kravis is the director. And then- Say it. It's called Pussy Island. <laughs> I do remember hearing about this. Frida is a young, clever Los Angeles cocktail waitress who has her eyes set on the prize. Philanthropist and tech mogul Slater King, Channing Tatum. And then it goes on from there. And then he's also in another movie with who else but Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And it's also Joseph Gordon-Levitt directing. Yes, directing. So I think this will <laughs> Interesting be... Interesting duo. So I don't remember. I think this is going to be Joseph Gordon-Levitt's first directing full feature film since Don John. So things could get interesting there. 
So the comeback for me is still on hold, but go, hooking back up with Steven Soderberg could be something that could get him a bump back into the right direction. You, 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 you got me on a tangent now thinking about Joseph Gordon-Levitt and his choices as a director, which are maybe the greatest for a directorial debut in history. He's a, he's a porn addict who ends up having a relationship with Scarlett Johansson and casts her in his movie and then has a relationship with Julianne Moore. It might be some of the best directorial decisions for a movie in someone's first ever go of all time. Nuts. I <laughs> can't believe he got away with that. He, he got away with that. And it wasn't, I don't know if it was justified. Like what the heck was Scarlett Johansson jumping onto a Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie in the first place there. And he also wrote it. Like this is all in start, obviously. So I don't know. Like it just shows that like people like this stuff. Maybe this one in a second full feature film can capture some of that same energy, get some other people besides Tatum on board. I don't know. I'm a little worried for Channing Tatum, but I'm just happy he's back and like he's at like he's alive well. And we're going past what he's about to do and releasing Dog and moving past that. I'm rooting for him. I, I immediately regret saying he sucks. I hate that I said that. I hate myself Hail, for saying that. Hail Caesar, he was very good. Yes, but that I just was hate how he did nothing after ago. that. Oh. Yeah, but it's 2015, I believe, right? Hail Caesar, maybe 2016. 2016. That was, I like the last, that was the last prominent thing he was in. Hateful Eight was 2015. I thought he was good in Hateful Eight too. If you have that type of like scene in a oh, Tarantino Kingsman movie, Golden that he, Cir- Kingsman Golden yeah, Circle, he wasn't and, even and in Logan Lucky. But he, he wasn't even in Kingsman 2. He okay, was in same it for five year, seconds. Same year, he reunited with Soderbergh for Logan Lucky. He was he was fine in that. I thought Adam Driver was better, but he was fine in that. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Channing. You're, you're, you're still my guy. I take that back. That's going to do it for the checkup this week. That's going to do it for the checkup. We will now move on to our highly anticipated review of The House of Gucci. Okay, Ricky Flex, House of Gucci time. Father, son, House of Gucci. We got Lady Gaga. We got Adam Driver, Jared Leto, Al Pacino, Jeremy Irons, Hama Hayek. The list goes on. Directed by the one and only Ridley Scott. Coming with the second major release in the past two months, uh, including the last duel, which we both enjoyed, right? But according to uh, Ridley Scott, most millennials didn't. So, before we get going here, we're going to give you the synopsis. We're going to give you the IMDb. We're going to give you the Rotten Tomatoes, the whole shebang. And then we're going to dive right into one of the most anticipated movies of 2021. One that yes, many sir. kind of assumed and expected to have uh, Oscar aspirations. So synopsis reads, when Patricia Reggiani, an outsider from humble beginnings, marries into the Gucci family, her unbridled ambition begins to unravel their legacy and triggers a reckless spiral of betrayal decadence, revenge, and ultimately murder. There's a big word in there. Uh, It's got a 7.0 out of 10 on IMDb. It currently has 61% on the thermometer and also 85% for an audience score. Ricky Flex, what were your expectations going into this film and did they live up to them? I I was expecting an Oscar contender here. I, before uh, you heard all the, 
critics coming out this past week or last week saying, oh, this is like they don't they don't they didn't love it. The critics didn't love it. And I thought, okay, well, we'll see where we go from here. It seems like the last duel was more of the Oscar contender that Ridley Scott was going for than this. Now, when I say that and it didn't meet those Oscar contender expectations, that doesn't mean I didn't like this movie. I did like this movie. It seems to know, it seems like they knew what they were doing. You know what I mean? They were very like flamboyant, trying, they were over the top, all these performances. I think almost every single one, or you can say every single performance was over the top and it looked like it was on purpose. And I think Ridley Scott basically, it was filmed this year, by the way. Like this film like was really quick. They they really produced this really quickly and just seemed like, hey, I have this stellar cast. And it's about the Gucci family and this huge luxury brand of excess. Just try to do that. And it seemed like really Scott just let this cast, particularly, especially Jared Leto, just say, go and do it. Good. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's just I feel like people had such high expectations that they need to really temper them if they see this movie. Uh, you can't take it too seriously. Um, it's like almost has the vibe of like all the for all the money in the world with like Christopher Plummer, Mark Wahlberg, you think you're getting this serious um, film, like a crime drama, but instead you're getting as like the synopsis kind of unfolds, you kind of think of it like this is kind of soap opera. You know, it's kind yes. of like it, it's it's like the family acting drama is very it's yes. And it's uh, the acting is very much over the top. You get Lady Gaga saying she's going to take out the trash. Right. And like you're just like that's straight out of the days of our lives. Like it's it's something that like. I, I was expecting more, especially like Lady Gaga and her follow up performance to her Oscar nominated uh, role in Star is Born. So you think like something special is coming. And I, I agree with you. I did enjoy it. Like I, like I think the rewatchability on this is going to be insane. I think that when this hits, like this was like 10 years ago and it hits HBO. It's the most watched show in the history of HBO movies like, like that appear on the on the yeah. uh, on the network. You know what I mean? The it's cast gonna itself be is hard to deny. Star power. Right. The star power is so good. But uh, let's talk about the tone of this movie, because I think that's what's going to like shock some people when they go see it at your uh, at their local cinema. So what do you think about it? The soap opera Enos of it? Um, do you think that it worked and did it match like did it fit well with the mold that Ridley Scott made? I think the uh, world of excess and luxury, I think he and with the beautiful sets in Italy and all the. Yeah, the luxury in New York and just the money and the money that goes along with the star power really, really showed in this movie. And like all the, the the presence of all these stars on screen really showed with the fashion. And like I mentioned, the beautiful sets, I thought the tone was there. And also when you say tone, I also go back to the overtop performances. Everybody, everybody was mostly like that. And it fit like, it, by the way, this isn't a good look for Italians, by the way. This was always in my eyes. It wasn't a good look. Anti-Italian discrimination. But it's like the world that Ridley Scott was building, and I thought he did a good job building it. Um, would I say that I particularly thought it was like like Hollywood changing or anything like that? No, but it was just clear that like with the clothes, the high fashion, it looked the part. Right, and I think it goes with the idea like these people lived over the top lives, excessive wealth, like you talked about. So it's like, if they act weird, they sound weird. 
it's because they are different than everybody else. Like their lives are just completely different. Right. So it's like, uh, yes, we can go, we'll go into like the performances and the accents and everything, but the way that like Jared Leto is just going for it. It seemed like Ridley Scott was kind of like, I have this amazing cast. We have this juicy story. Let's let them kind of take hold of it. Right. Cause there were, I think there were some, directorial decisions that we're, we're going to get into uh, such of like length and like the script that could have been like uh, tweaked a little bit, but I think he really leaned on the performances here and like letting the star power drive the movie. And I thought that's, what's going to make it such one of the highest grossing movies of the year. I can't wait to see what the box now for box office numbers come out compared to like uh, other films that like maybe aren't superhero related. Do you think this might be like the number one box office movie that doesn't have a superhero in it? Uh, Ricky flex. Or like James Bond or Fast and Furious, you know? Okay, non-franchise. Like non-franchises, non-superheroes. Um, yeah, I, I definitely could see that. Our theater was packed. We had we were in a pretty big theater. It was almost a sellout. On a you were having a great night. time. Yeah, and people were yelling at the screen, like laughing. Like literally every, it seemed like every like minute or two, people were laughing. And I think that just goes to what you were just saying, how like really Scott just let the actors do their thing here and their portrayals, let uh, let really let the movie talk through the portrayals of these characters, these uh, characters. Uh, speaking of the characters, let's just get to the performances. Um, there is a laundry list of stars that we've mentioned at the, at the top of the review here. Who was your favorite? Uh, well, how, like, I think we all are kind of, I think we're going to be on the same page here, judging by our reactions from leaving the movie, but who do you enjoy most seeing on screen? Well, I think the best performance was Adam driver, in my opinion. Just the he was subtle throughout. It's it wasn't necessarily a hard part to play, but he still had his moments when he like went with the accent a little, like a little much. But he was still subtle throughout. You know, a lawyer, so he's a lot quieter than these luxury brand uh, personas like a Jared Leto or an Al Pacino. But I think like his tone throughout the movie was pretty consistent until like the very last or last two scenes he was in was just like different. But I did like how his character changed where he still was subtle, but he was like menacing and they used his height and screen and like power over like Lady Gaga in the third act. And really it was just like body acting a lot of the time is there as well. So I think he was the best performance, but he wasn't my favorite, but I think it was the best, but I would let, I think you might have a different answer. So I'll let you go. Yeah. So I'll just start out with Mauricio Adam driver's character. I thought he brought subtlety to a lot of to a lot of the movie balanced it out with such over the top performances. It's like, he almost recognized where he fit in the puzzle where he's like, okay, everyone's kind of going nuts right now. I got to like actually fit my character temper a little bit and kind of balance out the excessiveness of a lady Gaga Mm. who's simply going for it. And speaking of going for it, my favorite performance in the movie, um, it might not have been like the best acting of all time, but it's just the most entertaining to watch. And that's obviously Jared Leto as Paolo, as Paolo Gucci. And like, he is just, this is like, I feel like Ridley Scott pitched this to like Leto and just said, yeah, you could just like have your fake Italian accent. Honestly, say whatever you want, because there's no way all those like metaphors that he's making in the movie were like in the script. No he's way. definitely just like, like throwing off the hip, dude. He's going right off the hip and he's just going for it. Let and me I respect like it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I know the difference between a chocolate and the sheet. Like he's <laughs> so good at like, he's just like, I don't know. Like I just, as I said before, super entertaining to watch. 
And like, you could tell he just loves getting into full character, going into makeup. I'm going to look like I'm Robert Duvall in 1985. Like I'm just going to go and become this whole different person and roll. Like you could, I could just see like really Scott sitting in a chair saying, okay, Jared Leto, let's rip it for five minutes. We'll give you the screen. And I'm, like, there's going to be an extended cut of this movie. Like, I can't wait to see like what Paolo Gucci, Jared Leto is doing the extended cut and like how much more <laughs> we have. Cause I think we got a surprising amount of him in this movie. No. Yeah. I, I, surprising amount he was in it a lot more than i thought he was going to be and i think it's because he brought a lot of character to to the movie brought a lot of character mm-hmm. and i think like what you just mentioned with ridley scott bro just sat back in the director's chair folded his arms and was like all right let's just let jared do his thing here and then like when he's dancing with lady gaga doing his thing no way that was in the script but he's just rolling with it so i think that you're completely right and to go along to go on top of that after the movie did some research Paulo Gucci was a dummy. He was so dumb. And I think Jared Leto really sold me on it. And I thought to myself, maybe this guy is not literally this dumb, but literally like this guy died of poverty and this guy sold his shares of Gucci for millions of dollars. And in five years, he just died of poverty. Like this guy literally was so dumb, like all due respect to the family and him. But I just thought Jared Leto, like you had your core with driver and Gaga. And that's like, if you're building an ice cream sundae, they're the ice cream. But then a lot of uh, a big metaphor that people use, like cherry on top, not only was Jared Leto the cherry on top, but he's also the sprinkles, the whipped cream and all the other excess that you're going to put on this movie. That's what he did. And he did that, at least in my eyes, like very well. I I like that uh, analogy there. It's a chic. Um, (laughs) I think we got to talk about Lady Gaga. She's the lead here. Um, It was her movie. You know, yep. like she brings over the top performance in comparison to a Mauricio. You could argue Mauricio is arguably like the, the lead here. He's in the third like, act, Gaga kind lead. of disappeared. But it seems, yeah, yeah. Gaga kind of leaves the movie, which is an interesting move because it looked like this kind of her story being told the entire, uh, I would say, 70% of the movie. But I thought people are going to judge the accent. The accent, it's terrible. Like, I'll say it now. It looks like she was in, like, Hotel, Hotel Transylvania 3 or alongside Adam Sandler. It was, it was like, oh, no. it was like, it, it's, I've, I've heard her in an interview say, like, it's from, a, like, a higher class in Italy. They had a certain, like, like uh, tone and accent but that she's they not- had in comparison to other Italians. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. That just sounds like a bunch of BS and excuses to me. Um, but I thought she was good. Like, I, like, like, I think she recognize the role that she was in and that's kind of hard for someone it's just her second major feature and you think it's directed by Ridley Scott I gotta really bring it and like bring a serious tone to it it seems like she was having fun with it at times as well do you agree I agree I think that just to go back to the higher class point her family's not higher class she was a ground transportation mafia type like that doesn't make any sense so for the character itself so why would she transform her accent like that don't believe that at all maybe just an excuse or she was just doing that um not just for the character, but that was probably the only Italian accent that she could kind of do well, maybe. But let's just get past the accents because I think that's what a lot of people were just talking about. If we just go to Lady yeah. Gaga, I think that we had a star is born, right? Oscar nominated, did very well. And a lot of that was driven by her singing and her like performancing performances with the musical numbers and things like that. But I think this movie is actually a huge step forward for her because it shows that she can be with the biggest and brightest stars without singing or having to dance or do anything like that. Like she is an actress now. And I think that, yes, she disappears towards the end a little bit. And Adam Driver kind of takes the movie, uh, takes the movie a little bit for like 30 minutes or so. But I think that it just shows like she's next to Adam Driver. Most of the movie who's on a heater right now, Al Pacino, arguably the greatest actor of all time. 
Jared Leto, who's won an Oscar, Jeremy Irons, who's like a well-renowned actor. So sure, her performance and the accent wasn't perfect, but this is huge for her, I think, going forward as an actress. Yeah, great points. I think like you brought up the fact that you've seen so many pop stars trying to become actors and actresses. I should just say actors, but, and they failed because they couldn't, Mm. like, if they go outside of a musical type of role, they are uncomfortable and they can't hang with these big time actors. Like Lady Gaga is going up, as you said, with all these uh, uh, actors with such accolades and then she's holding her own and she's the lead in the movie. So that definitely bodes well for her future. And it has me excited when you think of like, pop stars who tried to make the acting turn. You think of like Madonna. We talked about how big she was in the eighties. And then like, she's trying to be in a league of their own and a bunch of other, like, uh, like smaller time that we're trying to like a small time, like, uh, I guess pop culture, like that were popular, like popular eighties movies. That's what I should say. But I think that I'm trying to think like share share did the same thing right where she yeah. tried to like make this like turn from pop star to actress she was somewhat successful but lady gaga seems like there's big things coming for her and i like how she went to a ridley scott like crime drama movie rather than like the superhero route like where she's going to be playing a marvel hero it seems like she's taking herself seriously if this was like madonna back in the day you'd be like okay she's going to be in a marvel movie now kind of like harry styles like, oh, he's a dunkirk and he was in a Olivia wild that was just going to jump to the big budget like superhero movies to like gain recognition lady gaga knows how big she is and she also like views herself as an actual actress so i kind of respect what she's doing there mm-hmm. um and to continue uh, here ricky flex oh, oh sorry go ahead I was just going to say related to the Oscars here, like, I don't think there's, I personally don't think she'll get nominated, but I think like, as of right now, like just by default, a lot of the Oscar movies aren't coming out like with the best actress leads haven't come out yet, except like a Spencer with Kristen Stewart. But I think by the end of it, I don't think she'll get nominated, but you never know. I think that's like the only Oscar potential for this movie, but I personally wouldn't have her close to being nominated. I don't think she was the best female lead in a Ridley Scott movie this year. I thought Jodie Comer was much better than she was. So I like, I would anticipate she would get a nomination over her, especially with like the uh, subject of the last duel and mm. how it's relevancy to today. But I kind of want to talk about the film style here, Ricky Flex, because this had a lot of style, had a, a lot of pizzazz, a lot of flashiness to it. Whether you talk about the music, whether you're talking about the costumes, whether you're talking about even the cinematography with like the eighties grain over the entire um shade of the movie if, if that makes sense like it just has a look oh i just unplugged <laughs> i just unplugged my mic can you hear uh, me yes you're back you're back i unplugged my mic by accident okay <laughs> we're excited but yeah also good. Well, so we know this movie yeah i just like absolutely ripped my mic from like uh, the cord so what do you think of the flash do you think like that's this the substance, the Gucci-ness of it? Do you think this, this is uh we talked about like the uh, potential for this to be a a box office king or queen of the entire year? Do you think like this pizzazz that really Scott is dishing out is gonna like uh have a heavy influence on that? Definitely. This the brand Gucci is so big. And even if you don't own any Gucci Gucci items or you're not luxurious, you'll see this movie just to see the style, the fashion. And they definitely put that on display here with all different shoes, bags, um, everything related to the brand they put on here. They had the fashion shows multiple times. They really, really wanted to show the luxury of Gucci itself, not just the actual uh, lifestyles of the Gucci family. And like when they're in their houses and, or villas in Tuscany and 
Switzerland and throughout the movie, but actually with the brand. So I think that was really appealing for people to go see this movie and thus why it might get a bigger box office just from the style of this movie and how they promoted it as well. Yeah, I, like, I agree. I think that it's going to be like, I, we talk about millennials, like I would talk really Scott judging millennials and things of that. And they like saying like, they are like, they're not going to the box office for more sophisticated movies. They're going for the, the huge blockbusters franchisable franchises. But if you attach the name Gucci to something, you're going to attract millennials to go see a movie. It's such a recognizable brand. You're mm-hmm. going to see like, where are the origins of this company? And you might be shocked if you don't know this story. You might be shocked by watching it. And it also has those like uh, those cameos, right? You have uh, obviously Tom Ford making a cameo in the movie. And very, one of the like, like a modern day Renaissance men where we're talking about like he beats a fashion designer and he's a movie maker, shout mm-hmm. out Nocturnal mm-hmm. Animals. So it's kind of see, cool seeing that um, those famous people, like I was kind of hoping that we were going to see even more of that. Uh, I, I think we also saw from the Devil Wears Prada, our, we saw it with our uncle Steve, Steve O, who's going to make an appearance on a bonus episode of The Drive-In. He mentioned that the star of the Devil Wears Prada, Miranda, I forgot her last name. It's uh, but Miranda just, Priestley. Miranda Priestley. Got it. But Continue, I, though. Sorry. No, I, I do see what you're saying. I just don't think they did a good job with those. Like, I didn't know that was Tom Ford until the very end. Neither did I. So I think they did a poor job with it. I, I think that a lot of things weren't clear in this movie that were callbacks or cameos or things like that. But then when you realize what they were and they, you were supposed to know right away what they were, definitely it wasn't like a thing added to the movie that was a mystery around it. It was definitely like, you should have known this. That was kind of, I'm not a huge fashion guy. And with that history, even though I did know what was going to happen at the end of this movie, but it was just like, that should have been a lot more clear. Yeah, they kind of just said it was a mechanic from Texas. And I just thought, like, I, I didn't think it was going to be, I thought it was just going to be a mount to him failing, like in, in terms of Mauricio Gucci and like Adam Driver's character. I didn't realize that that was Tom Ford in his beginnings. I, maybe that's a well-known uh, fact in the fashion designing world, but I certainly had zero idea. But it was cool when they revealed his name is Tom Ford. I'm like, oh, crap, that's, that's amazing. I didn't even you know, know he started with Gucci. So I thought it was a nice, like, fun fact. Yeah. You know, and then obviously the Devil Wears Prada, you see the appearance of the person. You're like, oh, shoot, that must be her. Like, like she's mm-hmm, a big deal. Mm-hmm. You can just tell. Um, mo- moving on from that, uh, what else? The music. I thought the 80s music actually helped the movie a lot. And then along with the 80s, like pop, it, it kind of like fit like this uh, flashiness of the movie, right? With like Blondie and all these other mm-hmm, artists mm-hmm. making appearances. But I thought there's also Italian like operatic like sounds that were going on. One of my favorite scenes of the movie, I know I talked about with you afterwards, is Mauricio kind of fleeing from uh, the, what's it, national government. I don't even know what it was. FBI, not even FBI. Treasury. Were they, they where, Treasury, someone coming down like on his in finances, Europe. okay, in terms of his inheritance and everything. So he is like fleeing to Switzerland and then you have like the Bugs Bunny, like operatic sounds like the bum, 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 bum. It like matches up perfectly. Yeah. And I thought it, it kind of like added to the fun tone of the movie when it's such a serious moment. So I think that also goes with like the fact that don't take the movie too seriously when you go and see it, where it might, you might get let down a bit. Yeah, I completely agree. And that goes to the filmmaking of Ridley Scott and the production around it. But I just do think just now that you just said that, I do think they sold this like they and promoted this as an Oscar contender 
for the most part before the trailers and coming up and even like when the first trailer dropped you knew it was going to be like oh wow but you were like thinking oh potential oscars still so i did think that they promoted it incorrectly if they promoted more towards the brand and more towards like the fun aspect i think it could have it could have even done bigger at the box office perhaps um but obviously not get the same rewards but or uh accolades but i guess with a cast this big with their accolades you can't really not have the oscar hype around it i agree that's a great point i think they did mispromote it like, like, like people are going to like, I think that's why critics are kind of hating on it. It's because you get this all-star cast and you get this like all-time director and then you expect greatness. And then instead you get people that are kind of just having fun with it. And that kind of, mm-hmm. and especially with a November, late November Thanksgiving release, you're anticipating, okay, contender. And then you get this and you're just like, I can't really take this movie mm-hmm. seriously, which is sometimes fine. It's just like, it's the wrong time to release it then, you know? And yeah. I mean, that doesn't the, really make sense to me. And especially yeah. with, but and especially with the same weekend as Licorice Pizza coming out, uh, limited theaters, but so like not nationwide, but limited. And a lot of critics reviewing that at the same time as House of Gucci. So you get the natural comparison just because of the releases on the same weekend for critics. It's tough to compare, I guess, because that is just getting highly regarded and Oscar, actually Oscar potential there, contender. So it's tough to compare against the two. It's like a classic Oscar moment, too, where you have a a popular movie with popular actors and a popular director and a popular subject taking over a movie that might win best picture. That's so Oscars like house of Gucci taking over like licorice pizza in the same weekend. That's it very much fits that vibe. Um, uh, One thing uh, I've talked about a lot of things I liked about this movie. One thing I didn't like is the runtime. It felt very bloated. Uh, by the end of the movie, I was kind of begging for it at, at the 80, at, when it was like about 80% finished. I'm like, end the movie, end the movie, end the movie. I thought the first 60, 70% of it was much more enjoyable than the final act. And I thought the final act kind of didn't fit the vibe of the rest of the movie. I think the tone was off a tiny bit there, but I'd, I still had a great time watching it. It's just, I felt I was there too long. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, completely time? agree. I was waiting for this movie, like not waiting for this movie then because I was having fun with it, but it definitely should have ended like a half hour sooner. Definitely way too long. And you could see there's a lot of, uh, a lot of fluff in, in this movie. A lot of sex scenes that were just over-exaggerated that were not needed at all. And there were a lot of other scenes that were just not needed, but you could see that it's just to make the audience more enjoy and like enjoy this movie more and have a couple more laughs when you could have just cut it down a little bit and honestly would have gotten the audience out of there quicker and not thinking about the long runtime. So I agree with you there. And I guess another thing I would say that I didn't like about this movie that kind of goes to the runtime aspect is that they stuck to like the true story so much, like especially with the Salma Hayek character where those scenes with her and Lady Gaga, I did not particularly enjoy. And I don't think it was really necessary for the most part. Like obviously at the end, you kind of have to establish that relationship, but you don't really have to, if you don't stick to strictly what happened because a lot of movies like they say oh this is based on a true true story but not everything is real in this but it seemed like really scott really was just in the final act was just throwing everything at us saying this is what happened next this is what happened next this is what happened next but it didn't fit the first 60 percent of the movie and i didn't particularly Mm -hmm. enjoy that and i think specifically with sama hayek that was just like an extra probably 20 minutes where they could have cut out and just say like hey not everything is true but to make it a little better of a movie, just kind of have it make more sense in the script and also just in the plot points. I felt like those scenes were like the most skippable. Like if I had a DVR set 
in front of this theater, laying back, kicking back. I'd fast forward through those Lady Gaga, Sama Hayek scenes. Like I thought they just didn't really bring much to the table. We I know- thought mm-hmm. Lady Gaga worked best when she was working like with a Paolo Gucci, with Jared Leto, or she's working with Al Pacino or working with Adam Driver. Mm-hmm. Her and Sama Hayek, they didn't bring the same energy. And I think that's obvious. I think it's part of the characters they're playing, obviously, and their dynamic. But I just, it just did not intrigue me whatsoever. I thought also the writing, um, they try, like I would never was rooting for Lady Gaga in this movie. I never was like, I was rooting for Adam driver. I don't know if it's just like who he is, like ability and things like that. But I thought this is a movie about greed, right? It's a theme of the movie. It's about greed, but the greed the entire time I thought was placed upon like lady Gaga wanting more, wanting more. Let's enter the, let's enter back into the Gucci family. Let's take over the business. Let's push aside family, things like that. And the final act talk about like tone kind of not matching. It's like Adam driver is trying to be made the one, He's being trying, maybe he was greedy in real life, like Mauricio, maybe he was. And that's why like the, the company started to tank when he took over. But the entire movie made it seem like he was the good guy. And all of a sudden, in the last like 30 minutes, you're like, okay, he's actually the one that suffers, like is, like, is guilty of being so greedy. And uh, rather than Lady Gaga, I just didn't buy it. And they wanted mm-hmm. to be sympathetic a little bit to Lady Gaga. That just wasn't happening for me. Yeah, completely agree. With that being said, Ricky Flux, let's uh, give out some scores for. House of Gucci. Do you want me to go first? Or you want to go first? I can go. Um, I think for all the points that you just said were a bunch of detractors for me uh, throughout the movie, uh, throughout this review. Just, I think that it did do, do a good job of building this luxury world. But yes, there were some detractors that we just mentioned. I'm going to go 69 out of 100. Okay. Uh, solid score. I, I, it's actually lower than I anticipated. I'm, I'm going with the 74. I'm going with a 74 for House of Gucci. Um, so 74, 69 from Ricky Flex. That's going to do it for our review of House of Gucci. We are now going to move on to our exciting top billing draft of House of Gucci actor roles. House of Gucci, actor roles, draft. That's how we, what we want to call it. I think that kind of fits. doesn't really roll off the tongue, but we're just going to go with it. So here's the deal with this draft. We're picking a five-man team, right? Five-person team. We're taking the cast, the best roles from these characters, these, these actors, I should say, Adam Driver, Al Pacino, Jared Leto, uh, Jeremy Irons, Lady Gaga. Everyone in this uh, movie. Salma Hayek. And I think we should also include Ridley Scott as a potential person here, where you can have we could draft Ridley Scott in a movie that he has uh, directed. What do you think about that, Ricky Flex? Oh, I didn't think about that. Um, I think that might be more exciting to talk about rather than if we're, our okay. boards are getting thin. And I think it's important clarification to make during this draft. We're drafting a five-person team. You got to take. You can't double up on a character. You can't take two Adam Driver roles. You got to take like Adam Driver with an Al Pacino. We got five different people, five different roles, obviously. Okay. Um, so there's plenty to pick from. It's going to be an exciting draft. I think the Ridley Scott dynamic is going to make it interesting, more fun to talk about. Yeah. So, you just changed that being my said, whole, Ricky, my... first, you have a coin on you. you just well, it's just one my... person. Yeah, I know. But he has so many good movies and 
Uh, but okay, I'll, I'll adjust. All right, I don't have a coin, but I have dice. Okay, I have two dice. So the, what uh, we're going to do here is... Odd. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to roll them, and you're going to say even or odd. All right, rolling. Okay. Odd. It's odd. It's 11. Go to YouTube. 11. So I will pick first. Okay, then. I will pick second, obviously. Big board, deep board. It's going to... It's gonna it's gonna be a fun one. It's gonna be a fun one. Plenty to pick from. Uh, it's gonna be more about do you get the best role out of this actor? So I'm gonna start off with taking just like the best performance I think from any of these actors on the board. And I'm going Michael Corleone, Al Pacino as the number one overall pick. Michael Michael Corleone, uh, most famous gangster probably of all time. I think Al Pacino's best role ever. I know we're going to, Ricky Flix is probably going to take another one of Al Pacino's roles. What that might be, I think, is a tougher decision. But I think this was the clear best role for Al Pacino. And I think the other ones, um, I don't know. Al Pacino seems like he's just a cut above everybody in this um, in, in this cast, just from accolades and experience and just like prestige set upon his name. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to uh, just take the best of the best with number one pick. Yeah, I think that's the best – that's the uh, best overall pick, I would say. Um, arguably the greatest movie of all time. He's st- the star in it and the most iconic character from it. That's what he's, he's most known for, Michael Corleone. That's the one. I will say, though, Al Pacino, the deepest, definitely the deepest uh, uh, number of picks that you could have done. So, But you get the best on the board, best available. Your cornerstone of the franchise, and that no one's going to do better than that. So that's a good pick. Yeah, this is like Al Pacino picking that first overall is taking like the 1983 NFL draft with the quarterbacks, right? Is that the Elway draft and Marino was 84? Yeah, or yeah, it's one of the two. But it's like it's like you have like the Elway, Marino, and then Jim Kelly, and then I'm taking Elway number one overall. That's what that's the way I'm looking at it. So with that being said, Ricky Flicks, you're on with your first overall, first rounder. Okay. So. I'm going to go first round. I'm going the great, arguably the greatest villain of all time, but I won't say that, but one of the greatest villains of all time and the greatest Disney villain of all time. I'm going Scar, Jeremy Irons, Lion King. We've done so many, like we did a Disney villains draft. This he's the, he made the Lion King. I think the Lion King's great, has his iconic moments, has the music, but Scar made it like, Arguably the best Disney movie ever. I'm going Lion King, Scar, Jeremy Irons pick. This was my Jeremy Irons pick. I'm shocked. Like I'm not that shocked you took it in this round because like that's the one I would pick. There, I have other Jeremy Irons roles on here, but that one seems to be a cut above where it has that nostalgic feel for us. Um, I don't know. That that's a, it seems like a strategic first round pick more so than like you just love it more than these other roles. Is that is that right, Flex? Very accurate. <laughs> Not gonna lie, very accurate, but I do love Scar. Yeah, well, yeah, he, he is like we drafted him for the Disney villains draft, right? Was that Disney villains draft or yeah, yeah, and he was yeah. one one for sure, I think. So I think so too. Uh, with that being said, you're on to the set, you're kicking off the second round flex. Okay, so with you picking out Pacino, you really and now with the Ridley Scott element, I'm not sure exactly what I want to do here. Provides I a think, lot of depth. I know. 
I'm toying between two actors here. I think I'm going to go with Jared Leto, Rayon, Dallas Buyers Club. I'm going to pick the Oscar win here. I'm going to go with Jared Leto's best performance. What you could always go to if you like Jared Leto or not, but you could always say, yeah, he was Rayon, Dallas Buyers Club, Oscar win, huge Oscar year here. And even though Matthew McConaughey also won, who was he was alongside, like Jared Leto was just transformative in this performance and unbelievable. Still cannot, that movie is insane, very sad, but insane movie. And he makes it like, even though Matthew McConaughey does a great performance, he makes it a great movie overall. I'm going to go with that as my second pick. Yeah, good pick. Uh, I'm a bigger Jared Leto fan than I realized as I was getting this board ready. But this was the clear number one pick. This is the Oscar winning role that he had. And like this kind of like jump, not jump started, but like gave him a boost to his career where he felt like he could literally do anything now. Like he got the Oscar. He played a transgender person where it's like he's obviously taking a brave, bold leap. And now he feels like, honestly, he can do anything. He has the confidence and fearlessness that most actors don't have. I don't care what status they have in Hollywood. He will do anything. And he loves getting into character. This like fits his mold perfectly. Uh, good uh, second rounder from you, Flex. Thank you. Uh, with that being said, we're, uh, was, was, I think you're on a slight delay, Flex. Am I right? Maybe. Where are you right now? I'm at uh, the, not, not the house. I didn't think so. Okay, so you don't want to give your disclosure exact address. I respect it. All right. <laughs> this is the internet. Uh, on to the second round here. I am going to take... <laughs> this is tough. I have my Pacino's gone. I will go... Gaga star is born. Gaga star is born. Um, I historically don't love this performance as much as everybody else, but in terms of what I see on the board, Ricky flicks with a very strategic first two picks, I think. So I think I have to take this. If Ricky, if I gave Ricky flicks Lady Gaga and pretty much her only, her only other performance, we could be in trouble. So uh, I'm going to go with her. I think I think Bradley Cooper outshines her in that movie, but people just like love the fact that Lady Gaga is kind of making this transitional phase in her career. Um, yeah, Lady Gaga, I got to do it as Allie in Stars Born. Yeah, I I did I did have her high on my board, but when you threw in the Ridley Scott element, and of course I have an Al Pacino, uh, Al Pacino movie as well because he has so many iconic great roles. Then it, it comes down to two, a few other actors, and she's one of them. So I was toying with this and a couple others. I think this is a good pick, and I think a solid spot here in the second round. Okay, so Lady Gaga gone for me. Adam Driver, I mean, excuse me, Al Pacino gone for me. Uh, I don't have hmm, – I think I'm going to take Driver. I'm just going to get a power three to start. They're all power characters, all powerful actors here. But I'm going to go Marriage Story for Adam Driver. Adam Driver marriage story. Uh, I think this is his best performance ever. I, I, I it's not the most um, doesn't have like the star power of let's say a Star Wars type of character. It doesn't have the star power of let's say a Soderbergh movie or 
like it has a bomb back appeal to it a little boring but i think it's his best and i think it has the iconic scenes with him him punching a wall him singing in front of a group of people being embarrassed to hell i think this is the movie that people like realize like this guy is like on the level of like a cooper a, a bradley cooper a um leonardo dicaprio like i think this was like where he is like kind of arrived with marriage story that's gonna be me kicking off the third round yeah, that's easily his best performance he's ever done. That's what I would have picked. That's what I was toying with between Leto and him uh, in the previous, in the, my previous pick. Unbelievable performance. Him and Scarlett Johansson, just unbelievable uh, there. But that Oscar year was tough because obviously Gary Oldman playing Winston Churchill in Darkest Hour, tough to beat that. And then you have like Daniel Day-Lewis, Phantom Thread. You got... Timothy Chalamet, Call Me By Your Name, Denzel and Roman J. Israel, like even though Esquire, but even though that's not his best role. And then you got Daniel Kaluuya, Get Out. So you had a star-studded Oscar noms that year, and it's tough to beat a Daniel Day-Lewis and a Gary Oldman playing Winston Churchill. So um, unbelievable performance. Tough to win an Oscar, but definitely an Oscar-worthy performance. Yeah, I'm happy I got that. I'm happy I got a driver there I love, like adam driver is arguably my favorite actor going where it's like like as we said before during like the review he doesn't miss like he when's the last time he had a miss like you could argue this past house of gucci was sort of a miss but it's hard for you to count that as a miss for him specifically because i think he was fine in the role and it was more of like a miss than if you were to say it was a miss and put the blame on somebody it's probably really scott so it's not like adam driver is the one that is put to blame in my opinion uh moving on with the third round ricky flex your pick well Continuing with the Ridley Scott, I'll go. Are you not entertained? Gladiator, my favorite Ridley Scott movie of all time. Best picture winner. Um, Russell Crowe won Best Actor, and I won like a few other Oscars. Joaquin was nominated. Unbelievable movie. Definitely in my top 10 favorite movies of all time. And I just said, Are you not entertained? This movie was so entertaining. My favorite Ridley Scott, even though. This is a deep, deep board for Ridley Scott of options to choose from. I want to get my favorite right now before you get your last pick. I'm going to go Ridley Scott, Gladiator. Deepest on the board, but this was my number one Ridley Scott film. And it's hard for anyone our age to not have this as a number one Ridley Scott. I know he precedes us by a few decades, but this is like we think of the Russell Cross, Russell Crowe role, the Roman we think of the Coliseum. We think of the Are You Not Entertained. We think of him and we think of Digimon Hansu and we think about Joaquin Phoenix. Like we, we just, it's like the first roles we associate them with is Gladiator. It was such a massive movie, best picture winner. Hard to disagree with that one. Um, you're on to your fourth round. Yeah, so fourth round. I'm going to go Pacino, even though you already have a Pacino. And I'm gonna, I might surprise you here because this isn't my favorite Pacino movie. And honestly, it's not, it's probably not my favorite role, but I think it's just, I just want to change it up a bit and not go my traditional. I'm going to go with Tony Montana, Scarface. Wow. I, <laughs> Oliver Stone helped write this Brian oh. De Palma movie. This might be shocking to the listeners here. I, I love a couple of other Pacino performances, but Al Pacino, just totally off the radar doing Scarface. I think this is a different gangster movie than like Michael Corleone. He shows his range, anger, strategy, like in Miami. Miami. I love this movie. I love his performance. Say hello to my little friend, Tony Montana. 
Yeah. So this is like, this reminds me of House of Gucci a little bit because of the story of excess wealth and then like oh, also just going for, for it, overselling it. Like mm. Pacino with the accent. Like it just, Matt, it kind of fits the same vibe that we're talking about here. Obviously much much more serious in tone, but I'm saying like the over over excessiveness, overacting, it kind of matches up well. I'm shocked that you picked this. Like since we already both picked the Pacino, I was like, my number two was probably Sunny and Dog Day Afternoon. I think that would probably be my next one. Then maybe Colonel Frank Slade. That, okay. that's then, the one uh, I wanted with Jack and Jill as number four. With oh, Chico. boy. <laughs> I, I, uh, Frank Slade, for a son of a woman, his Oscar win. Like that was tough to pass, but I just wanted to change it up a little bit, I guess. But Tony Montano. Fascinating pick. Um, I think people will like that, though. That this like Tony Montana. That's just like alongside Michael Corleone, probably his most recognizable role hmm. in pop culture. Right, it's yeah. huge in pop culture. Great, post, like great poster. College posters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so that was your fourth pick. We're now on to me and Ricky Flux. I was looking at my board and what I've drafted. I am t- I am in a tough position because I want to take a Leto role in a Ridley Scott movie, but like the Leto role I want to take has some association with a Ridley Scott film that I love. So I'm in a tough, tough position. Position. I know what I would take. Um, I also have Jeremy Irons on the board. I can go Salma Hayek. I got a funny Salma Hayek, Hayek pick if I wanted to. Mm. I have a question. Ricky Flex, are we talking about all roles for these actors? This, this is important. Movies. If, if We're doing movies here. Movies only. Well, all right. So you're, I know what you're thinking right now. I'm I would allow it. He, and you, I'm thinking Jeremy Irons. And yes, Adrian Veidt. Yes, I would. I would allow it. Because like I can say it out loud. Because you already have the Jeremy Irons. Yeah, on it was my number two board. on my board. I will say. I'm already. I'm just seeing like your board right now. Hmm, this is tough. I'm gonna start off by going Ridley Scott, Blade Runner. We're going Blade Runner to start for Ridley Scott. That, and then I'll make a decision next. Um. A film ahead of its time, one that inspired countless sci-fi movies that followed. You get the king of uh, action films, arguably, with Harrison Ford. He's absolute royalty in that regard. Uh, I think that movie, like, I, I did a quarantine trial on it. I did a review on it for the drive-in blog. And uh, it holds up today somehow. Like, it doesn't look as dated as, like, a Star Wars 1977. It looks much more modern day. And it obviously got an up-to-date adaption with Blade Runner 2049. Um, Watching those back-to-back is kind of fascinating. I highly recommend it because, yes, like, it's incredible to see what uh, Ridley Scott did in 82. But he was also executive producer, obviously, on 2049. And he is kind of... uh, what Denny Villeneuve did and updated it for the future. It's, it's crazy to watch and it makes for spectacular viewings for any sci-fi fan. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to go Blade Runner as my fourth rounder. Interesting. So we didn't do American gangster, no black Hawk down the counselor, the Martian, the, no, the Martian. no, the Martian. Um, wow. Yeah. There's a Thelma and Louise. I'm just going through his IMDb right here. Wow. There's a alien. There's a lot left off the board, but I, that wouldn't have been my second, but I do love the pick. So my order was Ridley uh, for Ridley Scott, Gladiator, uh, Blade Runner, Alien, then The Martian. Those are my okay. top four. Okay. 
Um, so now it's on to my fifth pick. Very hard pick here. He took the Leto role that I would probably would have gone for. So now I'm toying with like Leto in Blade Runner 2049. I love him in that movie, to be honest. Um, Re- Requiem for a Dream we're looking at. Jeremy Irons already revealed like Watchmen. Salma Hayek has the one recognizable role. Uh, the like, Oscar winning role. Dude, I'm just going to take Leto and House of Gucci. Wow, did not see this coming. Yeah, I'm just gonna take Leto and House of Gucci. I uh, I loved his performance here. I felt like every time that he was on the screen, I was already smiling, just anticipating he was gonna do something wild and crazy. Um, this is not gonna like uh, when people look at the graphic, they're gonna be like kind of puzzled by this because this movie just happened, and a lot of them haven't seen the movie, so they don't know the uh, greatness that they're witnessing. But I didn't want to double up with Blade Runner. I didn't want to pick a TV show. I felt like that's kind of like going off the rails a little bit. Paolo Gucci and House of Gucci for Jared Leto. That's uh, that's something. I was thinking, uh, so if I were you, I would have done, let's see Paul Allen's card. Oh my God. But like, it's not his movie. Like, it's Oh just, yeah, definitely not. Yeah. It's, or, it's, uh, it's, go ahead. Yeah, so Paul Allen, yeah, it's not his movie, but I think just like, it's just funny. And also Blade Runner 2049, like you mentioned, would have been a pick. Um, or Angel Face and Fight Club. A little different yeah. off the beaten path there. Those are like my top four. Uh, but wow, I did not see House of Gucci getting on this list anywhere. He was so fun to watch, bro. He was so fun to watch. And it, you, like when I say it's like it's not his best role, obviously Dallas Buyers Club, that's what it belongs to. But who do I have, have the most fun time, entertaining time watching in terms of his movies? It's his performance in House of Gucci. Mm. That includes the Joker. Like he, obviously, some people have love for him and the Joker. It seems like it'd be a, for most people that dislike him. There's also a cult following for him. Like how to release the air cut fans that want to see him. And he was good in also Zack Snyder's Justice League. You can also bring that up as a potential um, honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he has like he has the same time in like Zack that Zack Snyder's Zack, excuse me Zack Snyder's Justice League in comparison to like a Fight Club. Or even like American Psycho, like very small roles that were beginning mm-hmm. his career, the Thin Red Line, Terrence Malick War movie. Yeah. Like he's all very, 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 very brief moments, but it seems like he's a scene stealer in House of Gucci. So we're now on to your fifth rounder. Flip. Wow. So you didn't do so you didn't do Jeremy Irons, or did you? I didn't. No. Wow. No Adrian Veidt. I can't, it's a TV character. Or all right, what about Die Hard with a Vengeance? I had, on the, I had it on the list. I had it on the list. That was a good one for Irons. I I liked him as Alfred, but I think uh, Jared Leto there might be a little stronger. And uh, you didn't pick Jeremy Irons' Oscar win either. Which one was that? Crossbound Home, Reversal of Fortune. I can't take a movie I haven't seen. Oh, you haven't seen that movie? Oh, that's actually based on a true story. Kind of a crazy, uh, a weird story. Glenn Close is in that too. Um, But uh, okay, my pick, I can't pick that. I haven't seen Frida. Okay, hand up. So, have not seen it. And besides that, since I haven't seen it, there's no Sama Hayek movie I would pick. Come on, there's a there's a hilarious one you could pick. I am not picking the Hitman's Bodyguard. That's not it. Not gonna give it to you. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna do it. Um. So my, I'll just come down to it. I could pick House of Gucci here with Lady Gaga, or you I don't have go a driver, at- dude. I don't have a driver. I know there's plenty. 
do I go with my heart or do I go? I think since I picked Tony Montana, I got to just go Kylo Ren. Just movie franchise taking over the Darth Vader role in Star Wars. That's pretty big. So I'm going to go Kylo Ren, even though I don't love it because I have uh, my heart set, tells me to go otherwise, but I'm going to go Kylo Ren. I'm shocked that you picked this one out of all Adam Driver roles. I know this. I liked him. I think he's the best part of this sequel trilogy. Honestly, I like I, I liked Ray, but I think Kyle Ren, um, he was the most challenging character to play. I think of anyone in the star in the sequel trilogy, um, like debating with morality and then like fighting his past and then also being this menacing figure, this angry person. I thought he was excellent. And did you see Ricky Flex that he's talked about that he'd be open to returning to the role? Did you see that? Really, I did see he's open to turning to Star uh, to the franchises. So he Not- said, no. He, so he had a quote saying he's open to returning to Ben Solo. It, it's a, he said he doesn't care about like if it's a superhero movie or not. He's just wor- inter- interested in working with great directors. So if mm. an interesting story comes up with a strong attachment to a great director, prequel right? prequel to this second trilogy with him coming un- under the tutelage of Mark Hamill, perhaps. Mm-hmm. That could be interesting. You have to de-age him a little bit, potentially, you know? Yeah. It's a little, that might be a little tricky. But I, I'm glad mm. that he's, like, not one of those people who just trashes these blockbuster franchises because you could argue this Kyle Ren is what made his career. Like, it's where it launched him, you know? Like, he was always a, because people were saying, like, okay, the guy from Girls is going to be the bad guy in Star Wars, this new Star Wars movies that are being helmed by Disney. People were kind of second guessing him when they saw him. They're like, oh man, this guy is like low key, like the best part of these movies. And then, I mean, and he all he had all these other smaller appearances in Coen Brothers movies. I yeah. personally, I was thinking like Black Klansman. That's where I was leaning. Flip. Yeah. So I was thinking, so yeah, you mentioned Inside Lewin Davis, like uh, as in Coen Brothers. So he had a small part in that. Soderbergh, Logan Lucky. Yep. Is in that. Um, and then you just mentioned uh, Black, Black Klansman, Spike Lee. So he's been with all these big directors. But the one I really wanted to pick that I just couldn't get around to it. But this is, besides Marriage Story, my favorite performance from Adam Driver. And it's in Silence, Scorsese. Wow. I thought he was phenomenal in Silence. I thought next to Andrew Garfield, he was incredible. And that movie is a snooze fest. I don't recommend it. But if you just want to watch, like, acting toward the forces with between Andrew Garfield, Adam Driver, Liam Neeson, when he finally gets into the movie, when it takes forever. Um, like Adam Driver is terrific in that. And that was in 2016. So that was right before Black Klansman and before Marriage Story. Like, man, that movie is tough to watch, but he's great in it. Yeah, so I, that would have been a great, um, I guess, go with your heart type pick. Because like that's the Scorsese movie of recent that people had just, have for some reason, have just turned themselves off to. It doesn't have the same flair and pizzazz of, right, like a House of Gucci with Ridley Scott or like his Wolf of Wall Street, you know, like a first Scorsese. So it kind of has like the last duel type of vibes for Martin Scorsese. No yes. one saw this movie. So it kind of like it matches up. Exactly. That's a good analogy. Also, one more role from Adam Driver that I was, I was contemplating picking, but he's just so much better than this. But this is where I leave you. I, I love that down. movie. I love I that movie. And I love Adam Driver in it. Philip. Yes, he was awesome in that. Uh, I wrote down the last duel just in case, like as a faint, faint, distant one in case like we had someone else on this draft. But uh, let's go over the list here. Then we'll go to some more honorable mentions. Dr. Rowe has Michael Corleone, the character for Al Pacino. He also has Ali for Star is Born with Lady Gaga. Charlie Barber uh, from Marriage Story with Adam Driver. Blade Runner directed by Ridley Scott. And then Paolo Gucci. 
played by Jared Leto in House of Gucci. And here are Ricky Flix's picks. He picked Scar for Jeremy Irons in The Lion King. He picked Rayon for Dallas Buyers Club, played by Jared Leto. He took Gladiator for his Ridley Scott pick. He took Tony Montana Scarface for his Al Pacino pick. And finally, Kylo Ren uh, for his Adam Driver pick in the sequel trilogy. Okay. Do you have a specific movie you want to attach Kylo Ren to, Ricky Flex? I guess I don't want to say this movie. It's his best performance in the franchise. Movie, it's it's gotta be Last Jedi. Like, yep, it's gotta be. But I just don't want that on my on this graphic. I'd rather just have Kylo Ren. You can't, no, you right. You gotta have like a movie I know, connected to it. I know it's gonna have to be Last Jedi. That's, so, like, I guess Michael Corleone. I'll have to actually say which Godfather. Then, well, I, I, all right, fine. Which Godfather? Out. It's gotta be three, right? Two. Yeah, I would. I would pick two too for uh, Corleone. Marlon Brando is so good in one, but Corleone, like Michael Corleone, Godfather two, that is his movie, yeah. completely. Him, cu- him, cu- him stepping on, uh, stepping to the throne. You know, he's Can like in almost every scene. Throne. Yes, and he, he murders that movie. So good. I don't know how he didn't win for that movie. Uh, any honorable mentions, Ricky Flicks? Let's say uh, I think we talked about a lot of these. We talked about pretty much all of them, but I just wanted. To, I kind of wanted to throw out the Sama Hayek pick. I was going to do as a like a funny pick, the taco in Sausage Party. She was very good in that. So and funny, so funny. But to have that instead of Adam Driver or a Jared Leto on my board, like I don't know, I, awesome, very. I one of those stars or one of my favorite and uh, foods, I guess you would say, and sausage party. She was so good, <laughs> but I don't know. Like, I I rather have Scar. Yeah, yeah. I I know. I get that, but I was like, if you're running thin for for whatever reason, you mm-hmm. know. And then I also thought uh, one of the great, not great movies, but like a movie I really enjoyed growing up, Oliver Stone movie growing up was Savages with Taylor Kish. And uh, she was the villain in that movie. Mm-hmm. She was like a drug kingpin. And she was actually pretty menacing there. And I enjoyed her. I'm not um, the biggest Salma Hayek guy. I'm not going to lie. Neither am I. I haven't seen Frida. Like I'm in the same boat as you. I'm not going to pick a movie I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm sure she's great in it. I'm not going to pick her in Eternals because for Hayek. obvious reasons. But any other honorable mentions you have that we haven't already brought up? Yeah, like we brought up Leto, Irons, Driver, Gaga. I guess like Al Pacino would be the last one here. Like we mentioned, Son of a Woman, Dark Day Afternoon. I liked him as Jimmy Hoffa in The Irishman. I, that was okay. another tough year for Oscar noms. But man, like was he good in that? I, I At least I thought. Um, but I think any – you could argue that Al Pacino's like top 10 is better than like most – like most – every other performance that we could have drafted for any actor in this movie. Yeah, no, we could have just had a Pacino draft. Like, like he, we gotta, that's Donnie be Brasco, Glenn Gary Ross, Carlitos Way. You can even say any given Sunday um, as yeah. the coach or, Sur- or Serpico. Serpico you know, is like a lot of people's number one. Yeah, I don't particularly love that movie, um, but he was great in that. But uh, yeah, Al Pacino, like my goat. We'll eventually have to have a Pacino draft. Like, like we, we'll do that with all the big guys, like the, all the massive actors, their greatest roles. Like uh, we can do that same thing with like De Niro and Leo and like these type of people that just have that type of um, resume where you can just pick, basically pick 15 different roles. Yeah. And that's, you just mentioned Leo. Okay. I know I should have said this in the review, but you just sparked my memory, but 
Ridley Scott was supposed to do House of Gucci 15 years ago. And you know who was supposed to play uh, Maurizio? Yeah, probably. It was Leo. (laughs) It was Leo. He was supposed to play him. And you know who was supposed to play uh, Lady Gaga, like the wife? Was it Blanchett? Angelina Jolie. Oh, I have heard this. I have heard this. So imagine if those two were starring in this movie. Then, like, no, no way is this movie the same. It would be an Oscar contender. Especially Jolie in her prime. Like, yeah, I was gonna say that's like her, like this is like right before you could say even during that era of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Um, this is right before she does was it wanted? She didn't want no salt. Wanted salt. He's also Mac- wanted. Is she in both of those? Um, she is in both. What's the one with McAvoy? That's wanted. Wanted. Okay. There. I don't know. Like this was her, and like she was like the master, mistress of the tabloids. You know, yeah. her and Brad Pitt. Right? In '99, she won her Oscar. Yeah. So she like, uh, and it's interesting because we bring up Sama Hayek and her in Eternals, and talking about her like becoming more relevant than what uh, maybe in the last couple of years. Okay, mm-hmm. Then we have Angelina Jolie also in Eternals, and like they had their heyday in the mid 2000s, really in the late right. 90s. And That's Leo like, just did The Departed like that year. Oh yeah, Le- like Leo would have been amazing in this movie. I would have lo- like he could have done it now with like, the fashion. They- yeah, dude. Like, what, if he pulled this off in like Wolf of Wall Street, like kind of like dressing high class and stuff like that. Like, imagine him just going full Gucci. Like, that, <laughs> I mean, women would be swooning to the theaters. They would be. Oscar, they would be Oscar. actually drooling. Um, that's gonna do it for our draft, and that's gonna do it for our episode. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube at the Drive In Pod. Uh, we're dropping content every week. Uh, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, we are on it. So make sure you're listening. Uh, we're dropping fire content. As I said before, we're doing bonus episodes left and right. Uh, we got the 1980s draft, mega draft with Steve-O and uh, Olek, right, joining us. Uh, make sure that you are also following us on social media at the drive-in pod on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. All right. Uh, catch up on all your movie news, catch up on the latest blogs at drivingpod.com. Thank you again for listening until next time. We will smell you.